0: you're listening to Beyond the Chart, where we go off the record with Baton Rouge General's medical elite. I'm your host, Brogan Taj. Let's get charting. Welcome back to Beyond the Chart. I'm your host, Brogan, and I've got another surgeon from our Advanced Robotics Institute here with me today. Dr. Keith Rhines joins me to chat about some conditions I know a lot of people suffer from. We've got hernias, we've got reflux, we've even got a little chit-chat about hyperhidrosis. Stay tuned for what that means. All right, welcome to the podcast, Dr. Rines. How are you today? I'm
1: doing well. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, so also welcome to Baton Rouge, General.
1: Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: About how long have you been here so far?
1: I am starting my fifth week today.
0: Oh, so brand new. How's it going?
1: It's going great. No issues at all. Wonderful.
0: Awesome. So you're part of the um, Advanced Robotics Institute. What exactly is that?
1: So Advanced Robotics Institute uh, will be a group of six Mm -hmm. uh, surgeons, all who are robotically trained and have expertise in uh, robotic surgery.
0: Awesome. So have you always done robotic surgery or...
1: No, I have morphed from a general Mm -hmm. surgeon to a transplant surgeon to back to a general surgeon to a laparoscopic surgeon, and about 10 to 12 years ago, robotic surgery hit the market, and um, I began uh, heavily Mm -hmm. doing robotic surgery and have continued that for the last 10 or 12 years.
0: Have you seen, like, how much it's advanced over these years like i feel like it's rapidly changing
1: so robotic surgery it has because of improving technology that the the robotic machine Mm -hmm. is becoming more and more complex but also easier to use smaller incisions um, better instrumentation easier to manipulate and all that translates into smaller incisions Mm -hmm. and improved outcomes for patients uh, less pain, less discomfort, they go home quicker, they go back to work quicker, so they return to their normal lives a lot sooner than they used to, even with laparoscopic surgery. It's mm-hmm. just definitely an advancement.
0: Awesome. So what brought you to surgery? Like what when you were in med school, what what drew you there?
1: So I, I grew up on a farm in Marksville with my dad, and so always were relatively mechanically inclined. Mm-hmm. Um, always working with my hands and going through medical school quite honestly general surgery was the only thing that truly truly caught my eye and it was just a, sort of a nat- natural transition for me
0: awesome so what surgeries do you primarily focus on these days
1: so it's a lot easier for me to answer that question by telling you what I don't do
0: oh, okay Tell so,
1: me. so what I don't do is I just don't do bariatric surgery okay I'm, I'm, we, we have two partners uh, Dr. Bruno and Dr. Bentley who are going to be doing bariatric surgery so that's the only thing that I don't I do not do so I do liver surgery pancreas surgery stomach surgery reflux surgery hernia surgery gallbladders colon um, sports hernia surgery pretty much thyroid surgery yeah, so parathyroid surgery the gamut pretty much everything what's your so- favorite thing to do um, I don't know if I can tell you what's favorite. Mm-hmm. I can tell you a few things. I won't answer it, but I can tell you a few things that are not a lot of fun. Okay, yeah. Um, you know, the the reflux surgery uh, is, is very fulfilling because the patients almost immediately, like the next day, are feeling so much better. Mm-hmm. Um, hernia surgery is fulfilling, too, because it's very common surgery, but it allows the patients to go back to their normal lifestyle. And Faster, so that's fulfilling yeah. as as well.
0: So let's talk about those two a little more. First off, tell them what a hernia is yeah, for so those our, who don't know.
1: Yeah, so a hernia is probably the most common diagnosis that surgeons like myself and the rest of us at the Advanced Robotics Institute deal with. And a hernia, for the most part, is a weakness or a tear in the abdominal wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, most common Is in the groin or an inguinal hernia Um, very common in uh, construction workers um, more common in males and females Uh, it's also very common to get a hernia at the umbilicus or the belly button Mm -hmm. Um, a hiatal hernia for reflux is also a type of hernia so it's a very common um, diagnosis that we deal with
0: so how do you like what are the symptoms how do you know you have a hernia
1: in most cases you the classic way of describing it is a patient will come in the clinic and go I have a bulge they see swelling in the area you can see it you can actually see the vast majority of these
0: interesting so um and you mentioned that more men than women have it right so do for women does it present as other things
1: no it's the exact same presentation okay Um, it's just significantly fewer but women still get hernias
0: yeah why why is it fewer
1: it probably has to do with how the human body is built. Men mm-hmm. have um, a natural area of weakness there that were all the structures that go to our testicles, mm-hmm. um, and it's just a natural area of weakness, and um, uh, it just, as time goes on, as as we gain weight, as we, we work in the woods, and we, yeah. we build things on the weekends, um, that area just becomes more and more weaker, and... You get these things called hernias.
0: Um, so you were just naming all like these physical things you do, like men do, so they get hernias and stuff. Um, what about playing sports and sports related hernias?
1: So there's this entity called sports hernias. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not true hernias. Gotcha. Uh, it's, it's an old term. We now have called them. We call them core muscle injuries. Okay. And it's. Um, it's not just in athletes, but it's primarily in athletes. Mm-hmm. Soccer players, football players, hockey players are notorious for getting these core muscle injuries. And typically you don't see a bulge with a core muscle injury. You just have pain and discomfort. And physical exam, for the most part, is pretty normal. You just mm-hmm. have to high, have a high level of suspicion based upon the nature of the injury. And then we, if we have a high level of suspicion and uh, physical therapy is not helping and, and just rest is not helping, then we'll get an MRI. And that's really the gold standard on how to diagnose a core muscle injury. Once we make the diagnosis, and it depends on, on what the patient likes to do. Mm-hmm. If it's a college athlete, then the college athlete needs to get back to being a college athlete. We will typically recommend a repair if it's someone like me who's a surgeon and my lifestyle doesn't depend on mm-hmm. my athletic ability, I might, would could with a little bit of rest, just learn to live with it. Most core muscle injuries uh, remain to some degree symptomatic. Mm-hmm. A lot of discomfort, uh, a, a true high-end athlete like a college football player or soccer player, they lose that explosive first step. And so they continue to hurt despite physical therapy. And really the only way to repair it is to... And we're doing those minimally invasive robotically as well.
0: Gotcha. Okay. That's all good stuff. So just in general, like, can, when is it so bad that you need surgery for a hernia?
1: So um, most hernias have some degree of discomfort. Mm-hmm. When the hernia is affecting your lifestyle, when the hernia is affecting... Uh, your job and your occupation, when the hernia is affecting what you like to do after hours, affecting your athletic performance. Um, and in some cases, it can be cosmetic. If the mm-hmm. bulge is so big, you can see it through your shirt, then those hernias typically need to be repaired. And the vast majority of these hernias, we can do minimally invasive robotically, and the vast majority of these hernias will be done as an outpatient. They can go home the same day, Normal diet, um, driving a car in two to three days. Uh, We have, for the core muscle injuries or the sports hernias, we have specific rehab protocols Mm -hmm. that we will share with their trainers Mm -hmm. uh, for the athletes. So it's a relatively quick recovery compared to the open repairs that we used to do. Mm -hmm. It's not pain-free, and some patients do require pain medications, but it's... um, the minimally invasive approach is much better.
0: So you're better off getting it taken care of as opposed to just like living with a hernia.
1: Yeah, the downside of a hernia is that cosmetically it can be an Mm -hmm. issue, but the real risk of a hernia is a piece of your intestine or your bowel getting in the hole and becoming caught, incarcerated, and compromised, needing emergency surgery, and those patients can actually get very, very sick.
0: Okay, so yeah, definitely, it's something you need to take care of. You're not just Correct. sitting around with hernia. Awesome, it's all good information. Um, so you had mentioned also with hernia about um another surgery you perform a lot and stuff is for reflux. Correct. So let's talk about that some. Um, first off, what's the difference between like reflux and heartburn?
1: Actually, it's just terminology. Gotcha. The Heartburn is sort of the layman's term. I'm having heartburn, Mm -hmm. chest pain, especially when I eat greasy, spicy foods. When I lay down at night, I'll have heartburn or chest pain. In reality, that's truly what we call gastroesophageal reflux disease or just reflux. Mm -hmm. And that's when the acid contents of the stomach continuously go back and forth from our stomach up into the lower part of our esophagus, and it just burns and it hurts.
0: Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of people suffer with this.
1: It's a really common problem um, in the United States or worldwide. Um, it's typically because of two reasons. Most mm-hmm. patients will have a hiatal hernia who have reflux, which is a weakness in the our diaphragm, our breathing muscle. Um, and then there's this muscle within the esophagus called the lower esophageal sphincter that just malfunctions. Mm-hmm. People will have reflux because of, uh, of usually a combination of both. Um, there's medications that you can take over the counter or prescribed by your primary care doctor, your gastroenterologist, uh, like the, the Tums, the Protonics, is the Tagamets of the mm-hmm. world. And they all reduce the acid production in your stomach. So you don't feel the burn, but the actual mechanism of reflux continues. Um and that really never goes away. You can mm-hmm. control the symptoms with medications. You can help control your symptoms by losing weight. Um, you can reduce your alcohol intake. You can reduce your caffeine intake. And if none of that really helps, then that's where we can perform a hiatal hernia repair and um, what's called a fundoplication, which is a way to repair that dysfunctional muscle at the lower part of our esophagus. Um, reflux long term uh, also predisposes you to esophageal cancer, mm-hmm. which is one reason that we're, we're seeing a h- higher rate of esophageal cancer. Uh, it's just long standing reflux that's um, sort of being covered up with, with over the counter medications. Gotcha,
0: yeah. This is like l- over the time, and like every time you eat, kind of you're having reflux. This isn't just like one offs, like, oh. I ate something spicy and like I kind of you know got a little heartburn every now and then.
1: So there, there can be a spectrum of both. Okay. Some can be just ever in, intermittently. Yeah. Um, and those patients can lose a little bit of weight and most of their symptoms will go away. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the vast majority of people, will, uh, patients, will have symptoms almost every day. Mm-hmm. They'll feel the coffee. They'll they'll feel the glass of wine. They really feel it when they lay down at night to go to to sleep as they begin to have reflux. Um, so it's, it's actually a lot more common than people think.
0: Mm. Why do a lot of pregnant women get heartburn as a result? That's a good
1: question. It's, most people think it's because of the increasing of the intra-abdominal pressure from the baby. Yeah. Um, it just puts more pressure on that hiatus. It, it puts more pressure on that dysfunctional muscle, and that's why.
0: So it has nothing to do with how much hair the baby has? Because I've heard that
1: before. Uh, to the best of my knowledge, no. I've actually haven't heard that before.
0: Oh, okay. I've heard that before, especially from like having pregnant friends and stuff. That um, oh, you got a lot of heartburn. The baby must
1: have a lot of hair. No, nope, but that's a good one. I like that. All right. Uh, so, reflux surgery is also done minimally invasive. Okay. Uh, robotically, it's about a two-hour-long procedure. It's it's um, a lot more involved than say your hernia surgeries that we talked yeah, about yeah. earlier. But eight out of 10 of my patients will possibly go home the same day or just spend one night in the hospital. We do some diet modifications for about a month uh, just to let all the swelling go down with the goal that at the end of the month that you're on your normal diet, normal activities for the most part, you're off your medications. Uh, and those medications we mentioned earlier, the tagamets, the zantacs of the world, they all work great, but they predispose you to osteoporosis, mm. which is, you know, it, most women are predisposed mm-hmm. to that already. So we like to get those. We stop the medications almost immediately. So we stop those reflux medications. And
0: you said earlier that um, people see almost like immediate relief after the It's surgeries. almost
1: immediate relief. And the vast majority of patients uh, wish they had done the surgery earlier.
0: Hmm, awesome. Okay, so something else cool that I know you treat is hyperhidrosis. Right. So what is that?
1: So hyperhidrosis is excess sweating, or mm-hmm. excessive sweating of certain um, part, parts of the body. The um, the hands are the most common. Mm-hmm. I mean, patients will actually drip sweat. They will short out computer keyboards. Okay, so cell we're talking. Yeah, I was about it, to ask. Excessive.
0: Yeah, like what level of like
1: it's not excessive. just like
0: you know cl- it's not just clammy palms. It's- no.
1: It's, it's different levels of it, but for the most part, I mean, we, we've seen patients who, like police officers, who can no longer hold, hold their firearms. Bus drivers, they struggle driving because mm-hmm. of the sweat. Uh, armpits, uh, also having to change mm-hmm. shirts, can't wear white shirts, have to wear dark clothes all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, excessive facial sweating also we can treat. And so it's not, um, there's really no medications for, mm-hmm for hyperhidrosis. Um, there's topical agents that can be used. Uh, Botox. I was
0: going to say I've heard people get Botox like in their armpits and stuff. Correct. Like that. Correct. Does it's that very work? very
1: painful. It works for only about three months, mm-hmm. and it's very expensive. And three months later, you have to repeat it. Um, so it's it's a it's a true problem, especially for the for the young patients, mm-hmm. high school students, mm-hmm. and they're, they're literally smearing their their work when they're trying to write on their, mm-hmm. their paper. Um, we do have a procedure, and we do that also with our cameras, very small little holes, outpatient procedure, where we will, we actually go into the chest mm-hmm. with these little tiny little cuts, and we'll cut the little nerves that are causing the excess sweating. It's called the sympathetic chain. It's called the endoscopic sympathectomy. All right. That's what it's called. And uh, it's outpatient surgery. You're eating what you want. You shower the next day. Yeah. You drive in two days. And that is truly an immediate response.
0: Yeah, because you're like cutting the nerve. Right. Interesting. So um, you said like armpits, forehead. Can you and do this in, in hands?
1: Hands, right. That's really the the limit of what surgery can improve. Mm-hmm. Um, the, some patients have excess sweating of like their feet. Mm-hmm. I don't think we've quite figured out uh, the procedure for that yet.
0: Interesting. I wonder like how many people who will be listening to this are like, do I have hyperhidrosis or do I just live in the South?
1: <laughs> uh, it's, there's a complete difference. Yeah. Know. And most patients actually go see their dermatologist first.
0: Interesting. And, does this affect a lot more people than we think it does?
1: You know, it's only about 1% of the population. Okay. So no, and it's, it's, um, Like, if you have this, you know. You know. Okay. Yes, and they usually know at an early age. It's like Mm -hmm. a late teens, early teens, late teens, they'll know.
0: Awesome. All right, I think that's all the questions I have. Do you want to do some um, rapid-fire questions? Absolutely. All right. Uh, What genre of music do you play in the OR?
1: Yeah, That's a really good question. So I've, I've gone from heavy metal, Van Halen, Metallica. Now I'm on a country kick. Okay, not modern country. But like old um, country. Old country, collar um, childers, turnpike troubadours.
0: Okay, all right. Do you prefer salty or sweet foods? Salty. What's your go-to salty food?
1: Oh, of course, it's potato chips.
0: Huh? yep. Um, dog person or cat person? Oh, dog. You have a dog?
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: What kind of dog do you have?
1: German wire-haired pointer. His name is McAllen Wallace.
0: That is quite the name. I like it. Um, Are you doing anything or dressing up for Halloween this year?
1: No. (laughs) (laughs) All
0: right. Uh, Well, you already answered that you like salty foods, but do you have a favorite Halloween candy? Hmm.
1: Hmm. Snickers.
0: Snickers? Yeah. Those are good ones.
1: Snickers is my Achilles heel.
0: Um, Are you reading any books right now?
1: Yes, about... Ten of them. I can't okay. finish any of them, and I couldn't give you a name of one right now.
0: Any certain one? Fiction? Nonfiction?
1: Mostly nonfiction. Mostly historical.
0: Historical. What's your favorite, like, h- like genre of historical?
1: Scottish history.
0: That's very specific.
1: Are you Scottish? I think I am about. <laughs> according to my DNA testing, I am Scottish Irish.
0: Okay. All right.
1: Irish Scott. I forget the. The percentages
0: do you want to give any book recommendation to the audience
1: no I don't have any off the top of my head
0: all right um, if money is no option what concert are you getting front row seats
1: for hmm I think it I've pretty much seen everybody I want to see mm-hmm I think I would get front row to, at this point to Paul McCartney Paul McCartney
0: yeah, that's a good one. I think he tours pretty regularly. He does. Yeah, it's probably a good show. Um, what advice would you give to someone in medical school right now?
1: Uh, just stay with it. It's, it's, uh, you have to be persistent. Uh, you have to ignore the outside noise about medicine in general and just be persistent. If this is something you really want to do, it's worth it.
0: Okay, all right. Well, is there anything else you want our audience to know?
1: No, it's going to be a good group of surgeons. Yeah. And,
0: Y'all just you know, filmed a commercial this weekend, right?
1: We filmed a commercial or two or three. I don't yeah. know. It was an all-day photo shoot. Have
0: um, you ever been in a commercial before?
1: Actually, no. Oh, so a first-timer. No, I have not done in commercials before. But it was a, a well-done event by the marketing team, so we were very pleased.
0: Yeah, should be good. So be able to look out for that soon. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks for going beyond the chart. Follow Baton Rouge General on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for behind the scenes, upcoming episodes, and more. Feel free to subscribe and leave a review.